G'day and welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Dossie back on this Wednesday night, January 25th, 2023, talking AFL fantasy midfielders. Oh, it's where we get the bulk of our score. It's where we get the bulk money from our rookies. Let's be honest, it's the most important line of the game. You stuff up your mids, and as Holmesy says, we'll see you in 2024. Speak of the devil. Here he is, the former AFL fantasy runner-up. It's Grumpty Dumpty himself. Holmesy, welcome, mate. Yeah, Dossie, good to be here, mate. And uh, it's really good to have this special guest on, poor Louie. Uh, you've been paying him in chicken twisties for this entire season. And what, you've sold all your crypto to get Dog on? What's going on? Look, Louie's not available. He's uh, he's off to the Australian Open living his best life. But, um, you know, way to ruin my intro, my big build-up to the great man. But, um, look, we'll skip over the FOSS. We've heard enough about him in the past. So, Warney, welcome, the podfather on the pod pod. Welcome to the show. Great to be here, mate. It's uh, very exciting to be on um, one of my, oh, probably my top 10 favourite fantasy podcasts going around. <laughs> Jeez, top 10. That's a, that's a, no, we appreciate it, mate. There's plenty out there these days, plenty of great content going You've around. You've made about 10 yourself, community. though, haven't you, over the years anyway, haven't you, Dossie? Yeah, I'm probably on most of those top 10, mate, that's for sure. Yeah, but um, Exactly. Look, you've been a big part in building the the fantasy community and, and we're very grateful for that. But how's the pre-season preparation going? No doubt in full swing at the moment over at AFL Fantasy Headquarters. Yeah, it's been busy. I think um, every year it feels like it gets busier and busier, but um, probably the the thing that made it a bit more awkward was the fact that um, it didn't launch before Christmas like we've got used to the last couple of years. So we're sort of sitting in a little bit of limbo and then um, still getting content out there, but now it's all systems go. And so I think actually tonight is uh, it hits the 50 um, day mark until that first lockout. Wow. So it'll be uh, the 7.20pm mark on the um, on. The Wednesday, the 25th, it's 50 days exactly until that first lockout. So things will start getting real now too. I guess um, we've been doing our um, club preview articles and podcasts and they wrap up in a few days' time and then, yeah, we'll be right into all of that content for pretty much like six weeks it is. It's, it feels like it is creeping up pretty quickly now. Hectic times. I'm pretty surprised though, to be honest, warning that you haven't put a disclaimer on the website saying that the Hilux has already been won by my squad. Um, what's going on there, mate? I think we need a disclaimer for the people. Well, you might notice at, as we speak, there are no prizes on the website yet. So I think the Hilux might be going to second place now because you've got that one in the can. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Well, we will welcome aboard the fossil, the statesman. He is the people's fossil. Welcome aboard again, Stato, for another episode. Pleasure to be here, Doss. And I will say uh, we talked about the top 10 of fantasy podcast before. This one just makes the top 10 for me. Um, but the scary thing, this is how senile and how long I've been around. This is the seventh different podcast that I've actually been on with you, Doss. Seven. Wow, didn't yeah? I wasn't keeping count. I try and uh, put into the back of my memory anything with you, mate. But um, can I no, say you always number. come and get me after you've been sacked from whichever other one I've been on? With you. <laughs> 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 
It is true. It is true. You're my go-to. Thank, thanks, mate. You're always there for me. Um, look, we are going to be talking midfielders and we've got so many names to get through. Our usual system is that we go through a couple each that we're kind of keen to talk about and then we're going to go throw it to the listeners who you guys have thrown out so many great suggestions for us. So, we're going to have to get through as many of those as we can. It's going to be a ripper show ahead. But first, before we get into it, as always, this episode of the Pod Pod is brought to you by the Keeper League. And boy, it's not just for your keeper leagues. Their website, a ton of resources to help you with your AFL Fantasy Classic team. I've already been using their rookie guide. They've got a little guide out there with all the fantasy numbers from the juniors of all the draftees. During the season, you get your CBAs, your kick-in trends, all the other stuff, scoring trends. They've got stuff for keeper leagues, draft, and your classic teams. Use the code PODPOD at sign up for 20% off all memberships. And the other thing, remiss of me to not mention as well, um, sneakily throw in there that the show as well brought to you, not technically, but uh, brought to you by Smug Chicken, the new release by Elon Dosk. Um, (laughs) Elon Dosk pumping out a a new application on the web. Check it out, smugchicken.com. Warnie, I know you were big into the Wordle the Wordle stuff. Are you getting around some smug chicken? It's it's. I have been actually. I have oh, I've probably played four or five of them at least, and you made it too easy for me though. I think <laughs> I've got them. Uh, I've got them straight away. I think it's. Um, I think I was very good at Wheel of Fortune back in the day. If there was a letter yep. up there or something there, now I get a visual and yeah, it's good. Well done, mate. It's good fun. Thanks, mate. Just waiting for the big buyout to come in, just like the New York Times, waiting for them to come on board. But uh, Stato, you no doubt haven't figured out how to use the app on the website yet, mate. No, no, way too advanced for me. But as you were going through that spill before, I've uh, just recalled, it's eight. I forgot about the Keeper League. Eight. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, let's kick it off, Stato. We won't throw it on our guest straight away. We'll let you kick off your first midfielder that you want to talk about for season 2023. Yeah, as soon as I set up my team, um, the first one I actually put in was this man, and that's Jack McRae. So at 916K, he is just such good value. So we're talking uh, working a price stat of 103, and this man has just been a superstar in and um, AFL fantasy circles for such a long time. And the reality is the reason why he's such good value is he has one less person uh, to work against in the CBAs. Josh Dunkley moving to Brisbane just frees and opens him up. Now, whether he can get back to the absolute highs is, of course, questionable. But I'm comfortable to say this is a top eight midfielder at a value price. And that's what I'm looking for in my starting squad. You on board that that train of thought there, Warn Dog, as well as Jack McRae in the frame for picking for you? Yeah, I've been big on McRae as well this preseason. I just think um, it's just you always like to find your value, and you can find your value in guys that have been there before. And I think that's the the first point that he has been there before. And then things have changed, and probably for the the better for him. I guess you've got a few questions because it is a Bevo and B. There are there are quite a few midfielders that do float through there, um, and how they're used. But I think he's the mainstay in that as well, McRae. As long as he doesn't get stuck out on that wing. And, and drops his bottom lip, I think that he's um, he's a, a great pick and a, a, I almost want to say he's an easy pick if um, if you're down that train of thought because I think he's he's a top eight 
in my head at the moment. And if he's there, you might as well start with him. Seeing as he's a big name, I'll throw to you as well here, Holmesy. Do you think there's any any chance that he can maybe get stuck out on a wing despite the departure of Dunkley? And because I know last year you were banking your hopes on McRae just having a resurgent season. It wasn't quite there, but with Dunkley out the door, do you feel like he could also bounce back? Yeah, I suppose it's the obvious answer, but with Bevo, you just never really know what he's going to do. I suppose that's a concerning thing. And yeah, look, yeah, everyone expects him to bounce back. The only concern I sort of have is if you actually look in his numbers, he has actually been that sort of 105 guy now for about 18 months. Um, so, you know, can he get back to those one 110 days without Dunkley? We would assume yes, but you've also got Bont, you've got Baz Smith, you've got a lot of guys through there now. So, who knows? Um, it's just one to really consider. And I suppose, Stato, can you start with a McRae and a Bont or a McRae and a Baz Smith? Is it is it too much to start with two of those guys um, from the same team? I don't think it's too much. I'm not going that way myself. Um, I'll go McRae because I think he's got the best value. All right, Warndog, who's your first player you're going to talk about on the pod pod? Uh, well, I've just released the, the Collingwood podcast and article and I had to go with Tom Mitchell. I guess he's a, a big talking point of this preseason. I think um, personally he's a no-brainer for me, but I feel like some people might be overthinking some things with him and it's fine to flag stuff and that's a very important part of your research and your study and why you're making decisions. But um, the big one is about what the Pies have done with their numbers and that's um, and it's totally valid. Like I'm not talking about him being back to that 127 and 129 that he did um, a few years ago when he um, when we snouted him as a pig and he won a Brownlow doing that. But I can't. I don't see a world really where he goes. Well, no, there is a world that that can happen. But I, I feel like it's a 110 and that's basically a pretty safe sort of figure because it could even be bigger than that. So that's where I'm at. And I guess basically being priced at 95 or 96 it is um, where he is. There's, there's the 10 points upside at a minimum to get to a 106, which then has him knocking on the door of that top eight. Um, and then that 110 sort of cements him inside that space is where I'm feeling that at the moment. I think the biggest part is, yep, so let's talk about what his role is. He's an inside midfielder. He wasn't doing that um, last year much because I think he was only, it was 53% of centre bounce that he was attending last year. And that was down from 70 and 74% in the um, the two years prior. So I think that that's the key thing, that that's what his role will be. Um, yeah, there's always unknowns when you're going to a club with a, a well, a new club and it's a, a new system. And even for Collingwood, obviously the 12 months into that new system, but they were missing that piece of the puzzle, I think, last year. And I think that's why I can understand the questions and all that sort of stuff. But it's one of those ones that I, I feel like you don't want to overthink. And even when I saw that his ownership was 31%, I thought, wow, I, I thought that was quite low for, for what most coaches would do when they're opening up a team and going, yep, we're getting yeah. a Tom Mitchell there at 853K. I feel like when you when you're saving a hundred grand at least on other guys that could potentially do the same same number, that's where I'm at. Yeah, um, I, I tend to follow that exact thought, and, and I'm all aboard Titch train for 2023. But being the devil's advocate, I'll throw out the other numbers, and maybe Holmes he can provide the counter, but. Probably the, the the haters, the doubters you're talking about, Warney, they're probably talking about the Magpies being down at 12th 
you know, 12th in the league for fantasy scoring and also probably that distribution of centre bounce attendances. Dugowie was one of the bigger attendees, but aside from that, it was very evenly dispersed between guys like Adams, Penderbury, Crisp, Lipinski, and you've also got potentially a Nick Dacos coming in and playing a bit more midfield. Holmesy, do you see a scenario where Titch isn't that value pick to start the year? Nah, Doss. Just like Warney, I'm all aboard the Titch train. I think um, last year the, they just didn't really have the cattle. I think ideally they would have loved the Taylor Adams to be there a lot more rather than being injured. We know Dugowie, yeah, he gets really high CBAs, but then he pushes forward. So, um, you know, sort of around the ground, he's not as much of a an inside midfielder as what those CBAs suggest. So I think Tom Mitchell's that easy pick. In, in general play, CBAs is going to be right there at the coalface winning that ball in and under, which they just didn't have a lot of last year. So Warndog's exactly right. You don't need him to go 115. If he goes 105, he's a very, like he's a, a serviceable good pick. And if he can push back to that 107 to 110, then he's exactly that player that we need that is going to be close enough to the top eight, if not right at the bottom. And coming in priced at 95, I'd much rather pick him than uh, say an LDU who you're relying on to break out. Whereas we know Tom Mitchell's done it plenty of times before. And uh, in traditional Dossie fashion, going to go with the point of difference for my own first pick of the podcast. A guy who I was shocked, to be honest, that was a point of difference. Been one of the most popular selections for the last few years in a row now since coming into the AFL. But we are all looking for that big breakout and a guy that's always going to be at the centre bounce, yet not going to cost you that arm or leg. Now, I've got a guy who attends 80% of centre bounces. This is just last year. Still only 21 years old with immense upside. Played every single game last year and is only going to cost you $664,000 and only owned by 2% of the comp. I'm talking about Matt Rowell. Everyone's just forgot about him this year. Um, A guy who's been in our minds consistently in the last couple of years. But why don't we like him? Now, There's a couple of reasons he's owned by so few coaches in my mind. Obviously, hasn't shown that ability to consistently spread from the contest, take more than one or two marks a game. He plays in that second lowest scoring side in the competition. I've already basically said that I'm banning myself from picking a son, but could I do it? I don't know. If the game plan changes slightly, if there's a few more marks, he's getting another full preseason under his belt, if he can get to contest a contest a little bit more like we saw back in his debut season in 2020. I feel like there's a plenty of upside here. Stato, is there any way Matt Rao could maybe be the year we don't pick him? Could this be the year he goes boom? I'm assuming we've moved on to the Lux or Sucks section. Sucks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Warney, what do you reckon? Are you on the same on, on board with the Stato here? No interest in Rao? Uh, well, at that price point, I'm not really interested. I think that's a, that's a tough thing. I, I would love to see him get back up there because, well, you go back to that last season. I started him, I think quite a few of us did, and then a, pe- a lot of people jumped on him after round one because he did knock out that uh, ton in that first game. So uh, it's... And I don't know, it's a really tough one because I think that we are going to look back at some point and go, yep, here he is, and that's now what he stays at. Like, he's, he's probably going to be that 95 to 100 guy. He's ne- probably never going to be the, the really high-scoring player as much as those junior numbers might have pointed in that direction, mainly because of the way he plays. Like, we think about last year, and that was something we tracked pretty heavily, like the marks, they just were not there at all, and that was really what was um, struggling with the scoring. So even, was it 75, his average? 
average last year. I think um, is that what it yep. was? Yep. And I think that's where like that surprised me a little bit considering how much of a hard time we sort of gave him. I guess. Yeah, and being in, I think a, a mate told me the other day, Costas, shout out to you, mate, but um, he did say the conditions up in the Gold Coast are dewy at the moment, uh, stewy dewy. So that um, that game plan's <laughs> just not paying off, not paying off for a fantasy scoring at the moment. I'll move on and pass to Holmes. He doesn't look like there's much interest in my first pot of the evening. I've got another one later on, so don't you worry about that. Holmesy, take us through the player you want to talk about. Yeah, boys. So I'm going to talk us through a midfielder that. I believe's actually flying under the radar a little bit this preseason. Haven't really heard him mentioned too much, and that's mainly because of uh, uh, everyone sort of believes that Angus Brayshaw has gone into the midfield, and that means Petrarca has gone out. But I, I just want us to take a little bit of a step back. So, 2021, he averaged 108, and then 2022, uh, sorry, 2020, he averaged an adjusted 108, and then 2021, he averaged 111. So. Um, I believe that there's scope for him to push back up to being that top eight midfielder. We kind of forget how good he is. In the 2021 grand final, uh, he had a 140 off the back of 40 possessions and three goals, and that's what Christian Petrarca does. So it was well documented last year that towards the end of the year, he was struggling with a few injuries, and there's actually a real case to make that that was the reason that he had pushed out of the CBAs, and that's why Brayshaw went in. They sort of wanted to rest him coming into finals, making sure that he was cherry ripe, and they're not going to muck around this year off the back of a straight sets, straight sets finals exit. Uh, they are going to be as hungry as ever to push back and really make a charge for that premiership after one has pretty much been wasted. So I can see Melbourne, we know that they've always had a very tight-knit uh, midfield group. They generally run the three guys in there and then they just have one or two guys chopping out. And if Christian Petrarca is healthy, which from all reports, he is absolutely training the house down and he seems as passionate as ever to get back, um, I can definitely see a world where he starts to push up back towards those 110 numbers. So he is someone that I'm heavily considering. In the back of my mind, I do kind of worry because I know uh, Clayton Oliver will be around the mark again. And is there enough ball for both of them to be top eight midfielders? I'm not sure, but... Uh, yeah, he's one I'm definitely monitoring in the preseason uh, because he's he also doesn't need bulk CBAs. As long as he gets anywhere from 50 to 70, he's always been a very good scorer. So, Warney, what are you thinking about Christian Petrarca? Yeah, it's interesting. And I guess the CBA tracking, as you said, doesn't totally need them, but we did see that dry up so much at the end of the season. So from round 20 onwards, he was only averaging 52% of their CBAs. And so when he's had a season average of, um, where are we? 80, uh, sorry, uh, 75% of those, which then leading up to those last um, six games, like that was sitting at 83. So he was... The, one of the main men in there and that was that little tight-knit group and it really was the Angus Brayshaw. He was the one that was taking over those extra ones there. So it'll be interesting to see how that mix goes, um, how they need to go. But if you follow Instagram and stuff like that, you obviously could see um, where Petrarca's sitting at the moment. Like he, he is... I think he's probably got – might be one of those players that you've got that point-to-prove type thing, I reckon, and has hit that pre-season exactly how you want it to be. So, um, yeah, if they keep that tight, like obviously Clayton Oliver, he's he's a one-team guy for the rest of his life, but um, he's going to be there and thereabouts. And he had that um, really – that game where he was really crook and that um, – I can't remember what the yeah. score was. It must have been a shocker, like a 30 type thing. Um, and, you know, that's in an average that, you know – 
wouldn't normally be there for a lot of guys. So there's those instant little bits of value that you can find in guys there. So there's those few points of upside, you know, when you take those ones out as we like to do at times. Final quick one on Petrarca for you, Holmesy, though. I remember I was an owner last year of him, came out the gates real strong. You consistently said, look, a tag's coming, mate. Is this still a concern for you heading into this year? Yeah, absolutely. All of the gun players of the competition are always going to be a tag worry, but you tag Petrarca, Oliver gets off the chain, you tag and and vice versa. So you can't tag them both or at least most teams won't try. So you are right, Doss, the tag will always be there, but um, they're not going to tag every week. So it's just one to flag. I think if you if you have a look in preseason, um, it's not going to surprise me one bit if they're just back to that tight rotation and, and we just know what he can do. So I'm just not forgetting about Christian Petrarca, which a lot of people seem to have at this point in the preseason. Stato, I want to hear your big second player you want to focus on. For yeah, this a little bit similar to uh, Holmesy here. Someone that's probably going under the radar and has not been talked about a bit. Um, and the reality is GWS are going to have a change in their midfield mix. And we seem to be concentrating on Tom Green, which I think there's uh, such great value in. Uh, we're talking about Cogs because he's likely to be a, a top three forward. The other one that's not really being talked about but has been basically their premium scorer is Josh Kelly. So at 899k, I just see him as fantastic value and he's got that perfect inside and outside game. If he's not stuck up forward, not stuck out on the wing and actually attending the CBAs because he still will get the plus sixes from his outside run, um, we're talking we could get a primo year out of Josh Kelly. The challenge will be the, the indicator of uh, the injuries because unfortunately has run into a few of those. But if we get a clean run by Josh Kelly, there's no reason he's not part of that top eight midfielders. Yeah, it's, it's a great call um, and I might even throw because I know Warney wants to talk about another GWS player as his next player, which I feel like it might be a situation where we can pick multiple um, given the departure of Taranto, but the CBA mix is going to be an interesting one, but um, Josh Kelly's history of being an awesome scorer, he's definitely up there in consideration, only 6% owned. But I think the big thing here as well, Warney, and I'll throw to you for this now, is like their early fixture... <laughs> It's just like you want to almost own plenty of these GWS players, Adelaide, Eagles, Carlton, Essen, and Hawthorne. I feel like that first five rounds is going to really be able to set you up for a good season with a couple of these GWS players. But Warney, your thoughts on Josh Kelly and then maybe take us through your second player as well. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Um, the scale of hardness. Uh, once we have a look at that, I've got to get Calvin working on his bloody Excel stuff, which is hard work in <laughs> itself. But um, yeah, we we're looking at um, looking at where that what that midfield looks like. It's just one of these things, like these clubs that have got new coaches, new systems, and then there was so much change. Like they literally lost two guys that are some of the bigger, you know, centre bounce guys there. Um, my guy that is the guy that I'll talk about um, is Tom Green. And I think we were all excited about that because he does offer that extra value, but he was sort of the main man in the midfield. But when you look across their centre bounce numbers, it was as a, a tale of two halves of the season pretty much because of that's where the uh, the change happened last year and and which half is the one that we take more into I think that's um, what it is or is it just going to be absolutely different and that's something that we have to think about a lot this this whole oh are they going to copy the Richmond style blah 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 and how that's all going to work there or uh, 
you know, it'd be nice to see exactly this is where a couple more pre-season games would be really nice to have a look at because we're going to have that very limited data to see how these guys line up and um, I guess those any of these little training snippets that we can see and even that first pracky game that they're going to have and depending on how they roll theirs out, it'll be very interesting to sort of track though that midfield mix that time. But there's no doubt, I think, that, um, that Tom Green, who I'll talk about a little bit more in a moment, but he'll probably be the main one there. Um, and Josh Kelly, he was just so in and out of it last year, even in under both regimes. And I think that's the thing that was really tricky. Like at the end of the year, he the last three games, he didn't even have a centre bounce. So that's something that um, is a big one in your head that he wasn't even used for like a one at the end of a quarter or anything like that. It was completely out. You also had, um, it was a 25% of them for the fourth last round. But then a couple of games before that, he had an 83% of the yeah, center bounce. it was frustrating. Yeah. It's just all over the shop and it's really hard to get that read on. Obviously, they had their interim coach and all that sort of stuff going on. So it's it's really hard to use any data from last year in that sense to really predict what's going to happen here. But we just know that he can score as well. And, and he is someone that can score um, well on the outside as well, like just the way he runs. He's he's another one that's ticking the preseason mm. boxes of um, all the, the nice, you know, club intel that comes out which is everything's very rosy and everything's perfect but um yeah he he does look like he will be keen to have a good season because he's going to need to because he's going to be that mature player in there with cogs as well look i think we've also seen plenty of as you're saying plenty of pre-season pitches out there that are getting us excited these big monstrous pipes on plenty of players including tom green who you just touch on a bit more now but None more impressive, I would argue, than Adam Kingsley, GWS coach. <laughs> um, those Pythons are something else, Warney. But um, if his game plan's anything like his Pythons, it is going to be a ferocious, ferocious game plan. Um, maybe just a few more words on, on Tom Green and throw it to Holmes. Yeah. His thoughts. All right. So Tom Green, basically, I think we're looking at him because he does offer a heap of value at 752k. Um, what we saw from him last year was pretty cool. Like I think that start of the season made him jump on a lot of people's radars and a lot of people did jump on. So he opened up the season with a 133, um, knocked out four tons in the first five games and had some nice numbers through there. Did drop away a bit. Um, and obviously there is a little bit of a thing about that with age and, and and getting into it, there was obviously the regime change, as we um, mentioned before. But um, there's enough there to like and know that, A, his role is being that inside midfielder, I think, with um, predominantly getting those centre bounces, which is what we saw there. So he was their um, most attended centre bounce dude last season. So while I say that most, and it sounds like it's a lot, but it was 58%. These guys were really a massive spread on what they had. So, um, but in saying that too, that's something that we we need to take a little bit with a grain of salt from last season. So, um, and hopefully we can see a little bit more consistency with that, which is probably what we need to see for any of our players, but also at GWS is something that we want to see all the way through because they were all over the shop. And if you go and deep dive into those numbers for all of their midfielders, you'll see that. But I think it's just he's hitting the age. He's hitting that stuff where he's shown that he's got a bit of a ceiling um, and that should only be 
on the way up. The question is, what does he need to average to be a good pick? And I think that's probably the thing that Holmes is very good at uh, thinking about on the way through. What do you think he needs to go at um, to, to be a good pick? Because he's priced at 85. He's got to tr- hit triple figures, do you think? Yeah, you're spot on, Warney. Um, he, from that price point, he needs to be a 100 averaging plus player, like 100 that's going to be a good pick, but anything more than that, he's going to turn out to be a great pick. And and that is what worries, worries me about Tom Green. No one doubts that he's got the talent. No one doubts that there's got the upside. It's just how much upside does he have? And I think a lot of people are getting tricked by that four-game sample size. Now, we know that um, he basically was Jacob Hopper. Like, they're the same sort of player. They're that real in and under at the coalface player that doesn't get a lot of outside ball. So I think for Tom Green to really break out and be a premium, he's going to have to add that sort of outside game and pick up a few marks around the ground for him to really, really bust out. And my my sort of worry with Tom Green and these type of players is, you know, if that if that ceiling is a 95 because he's purely in and under, then going from 85 to 95 is not going to get it done. So that kind of worries me a little bit. And, you know, I'm pretty big on Josh Kelly as well. And if Josh Josh Kelly's going to go 1-5-1-10 and Cogs is going to go 1-5-1-10, then the, the maths and the data suggest that there's not going to be a ball, enough ball for Tom Green to go 100 to 105. It just it just doesn't work out that way. And with the questions surrounding how GWS are going to play, I think it would be a, a, a bit of a ballsy pick to start a Tom Green. But I can definitely see why there's been all this conversation in the preseason because we do look for opportunity and we do look for upside and it's all there for him. I've got big balls. I think the biggest thing this preseason – yeah, biggest thing this preseason though is I feel like there aren't the – the real upside picks where we're picking a breakout is probably what I'm saying here. We're not really picking as many of these guys that have been there in the past. Yeah, there's some value there. We talked about McRae and that sort of those sorts of guys, but not a lot of those guys in that sub-90 range where you think they can get up there. And so there's not a lot of guys that you're going with confidence with that. So it might take those ballsy picks with those, with those uh, yeah, selections like a Tom Green there. Yeah, but you don't have to pick someone in that price range, Warney. Like I think we kind of get stuck with that where we go, you know, oh, we had a we had a Crips last year that was priced at 80 and he went, you know, he went 105, whatever he went. So we have to pick someone around that price range. Like if they're not there to pick, they're not there to pick. Maybe you have to rejig your structure a little bit to get up to some of these more guys that are at the 100 mark that can maybe push the 110 or or maybe you do have to go right down to a, a Dom Sheed Warple type that I'm sure we'll talk about later. But we don't have to get caught in the, the trap of picking a player at that price range just because people have done it from there before. Um, I think Selby put out a pretty good tweet a couple of days ago saying he put up five players last year that we all sort of predicted in the preseason to hunt value and, and none mm. of them paid off. So, you know, it's just one thing to think about. We all get very caught in the preseason that everyone's improving, but some people are going to regress. Some people aren't going to improve by that much. That's just how the, the footy works. Yeah, structure's going to be a big part of that too. And that that's where if you are looking for the, the value there, which you might need to do depending on our rookies and all that sort of stuff all the way through, because I feel like a lot of us are going to stack forward lines. So we might be shaving a few dollars off with some of these midfield picks. Yeah. And uh, just quickly on on the um, what a player needs to average to, to provide value. I saw, I'm sure you guys would have seen as well, um, the fantastic data by Jaden Papowski, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, on Twitter, um, put out some numbers of what he believes based on statistics a player, each player will need to average to um, present value. And yeah, for Tom, for a guy like Tom Green, it was up near that 100 point mark. I think it was 100.8 points is what, you know, you're trying to look for for a player um, according to some of that data. 
Yeah, I suppose it's like, what's a better pick, right? If Tom Green goes from 85 to 95, but Dom Sheed goes from 67 to 90, 92, you know, what's what's the more value? It's, you're clearly taking a Dom Sheed. So, mm. yeah, if he can break out to 100, he's a far better pick. Um, but, yeah, time will tell, I guess. All right, well, I'm going to go to my next player, uh, and that is the great man Jai Newcomb at 775k. Another guy in that price bracket. So, a lot of the conversations we've just had maybe can carry over, but I'll just talk about the positives from my perspective on Jai. Taking over the, the Lee Matthews number three, always a positive sign to start the season. We love seeing those pitches. Same deal that we've talked about, big names leaving the nest. So, Titch and O'Meara both gone. They had 53%, 62% of center bounces respectively, and only each missed one game last year as well. So, who's going to fill the void? I know there's plenty of names out there, and it's it's obviously a preseason watch list. I just think it's going to be John Newcomb taking another step up. He led the team with attendees as, as the midfielder last year with 66%. I reckon that's going to take a big bump. I reckon we're going over 80% pretty easily, um, which will be probably pretty rare across across the competition. Um, and when he attended more than three quarters of centre bounces last year, he averaged 94. So that's already a bit of a jump on his starting price for this year. I think we add in the fact it's only his second full preseason, remembering that he came into the system as that mid-season draftee only in 2021. Um, and I just think it's less, it's not just about more midfield time for me. He gets all stat lines, gets marks, and he can spread from the contest, even if my first selection, Matt Rowe, doesn't. And he's just a ferocious tackler, Jack Steele-esque like, vice grip on those tackles. So someone at Hawthorne's going to pop. I know Josh Ward is another popular name, but Stato, any interest in Jai Newcomb or am I just, uh, you're going to dismiss this one as well, mate? Sucks. Come on, Stato. Give us. <laughs> no, give us I, I just don't really see where the big upside is. So he's priced at 88. Um, if I'm paying for someone at 88, um, I really want them to be a 105, 110 player. Um, he was the number one attendee last year. He might get a smidgen up. His time on ground was 80%. He might get a smidge up. Uh, as you said, when whenever he had more than 75%, his average was 94. So it's not the data set that sort of really gets me overly excited. Sorry, uh, Tom Mitchell and Jagger Ramirez stayed around, didn't Oh, wait. No, there's more ball to go around. He only averaged 22 touches last year. <laughs> Kyle, you disagree as well. God, we're going to go back and listen to this podcast. And when I've got the Lux in the garage, you guys are going to look like absolute idiots. Kyle, what do you got to say? Come on. Dossie. I remember, I remember Stato talking to you last year and you, he kept mentioning that you're just trying to outsmart everyone and I think you kind of, you see some things and you think, here we go, like no one else is seeing this, Dossie's up here, Dossie's on, he's just, Stato, where's, where's the huge upside coming from? Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of natural progression, like we get it, he's going to have all the opportunity in the world but can you really see John Newcomb averaging over 100 in a young hawk side that are going to get belted most weeks, that's pretty safe to assume. It's just it's a it's a ballsy pick, but I, I tell you what, you pick him, you pick John Newcomb and Matt all Rowell, yours. and, and all I'll yours. Uh, yeah, all you yours. You can have him in draft too, mate. I'll just step away, step away. Listen to me, I got, I'm picking a hawk. It's either him or Josh Ward. So just wait, wait and see, and I'll let you know. In a Sam Mitchell could be our new Bevo as well. I tell you what, he's he <sighs> wasn't right, nice to us last year, and I think there could be a few issues with that on the way as well. Yeah, okay, that's a fair point. I don't want to. I don't want to take on a coach, but um, 
I just feel like, John, <laughs> you could getting the number three, good signs. I feel like Mitchell, it's his boy. He's the guy that, remember, put his name up to be basically drafted when he was coaching the VFL. A lot of good signs there for him to be the number one guy again. Uh, Holmesy, take us through your final pick, mate, before we get into some listener requests. Yeah, so my final player, once again, I feel like uh, flying under the radar a little bit. We're all kind of looking at those players priced in the mid-80s, low-90s that are looking to break out and be top eights, but um, just keeping around this sort of 100 range. And for the same reason that Jack McRae's value, I'm going to point out that Marcus Bontempelli is also value. So last year... It was well documented that he was carrying injuries throughout the year. Um, He even had to uh, be managed around round seven or round eight. Don't quote me on that. But he had to miss a game because he just couldn't get up. Um, And he had 58% CBAs last year. And and that is going up, no doubt, without Josh Dunkley. And he averaged 108 last year. And yeah, you are basically banking on him having a career best year um, to push those top eight numbers. But he is in the he's in the prime of his career. He's the captain of that club. I can just see a really big year from Bont where his CBAs push back up to that 70 plus percent. Um, he pushes forward as well and kicks goals. His points per minute are off the chart. And I just see a world where he is actually value and we can get him at 100 and he could potentially be a top eight midfielder. So I'm looking at very closely at Marcus Bontempelli and I think a lot of other people should be as well. Stato, you're, you're on board, by the way. Conquer. He's just such great value. Um, and as we've seen before, and I think you've owned him, Dossie, over a 10-week period where he was averaging 108, 110 around that mark, yep. and he was a unique pick and scoring really well. Um, we know with Josh Dunkley out, there are CBAs up for grabs. Um, what is most um, or the biggest tick for Marcus Bontempelli is I think they've finally got their forward line settled and sorted and, in fact, actually have depth coming through there. So uh, I, I would assume their starting midfield will be uh, Libba, Bont and McRae. Yeah, another one to watch. Um, another yeah guy who, if he plays predominantly midfield, definitely have some interest. I, I just have a recall... You know, I, I don't know if the stats will back me up on this. This is just off the noggin. But I recall that I feel like he's one of these guys like the old Josh Kelly, just retired Josh Kelly um, of the Sydney Swans. He retired too, didn't he? Yeah. The Sydney one. Yeah. Josh Kennedy. Um, yeah. that, that sort of built <laughs> into the season and had big back halves of the year, which is what vintage Sydney version of JPK did. Um Bont feels like that sort of guy. Like, I haven't really remembered him exploding out of the blocks like we saw Petrarca do, say, last year and getting off to a good start. But maybe that's a reflection of um, them giving him more mid-time after injuries have actually hit. I think right now he's just straight in there. Yeah. Yep. He averaged, Dossie, he averaged 108 after the bye. And that was with all his sore body and his injury concerns. So a fit Marcus Bontempelli, he he could be anything. So yeah, um, I'm currently he's he's in my side, and um, it would, might actually have to take something pretty drastic for him to to find himself out at the moment. Jeez. He showed ceiling there in that back half too. Had a couple of one forties, so it was a, a nice ride for those sorts of games too. Obviously, we were lucky last year. We had that forward status, which helped for our classic sides there, um, but. It's just the question I think out of the Bont is: Is it Bont or McRae, or can you really go both? That's the that's the thing, and it'd be nice to have both because both have super upside. Really goes back to the old days when in doubt, pick a Geelong player. 
Yep. ABC. Gee, I wonder if Holmesy's probably – I hope the listeners get to hear that. Holmesy's usually very secretive with his player picks. He might get me to edit out the fact that the Bont's currently <laughs> on his side. So a bit of an exclusive look there for the listeners uh, on today's show. Let's get into their requests. Um, the listeners have provided plenty over at Pod Pod AFL on Twitter. So many to get through. We'll try and be pretty quick with this, and then we're going to go through our Lux or Sucks segment in a bit as well, which I've had to put in plenty of names just due to the mass amount of numbers. But the first request, who's a big popular name this preseason, Dom Sheed, Warney. Thoughts, mate, at 591K, one of the most popular picks at the moment, a bargain value uh, at the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, uh, he's in my side at the moment. I think there isn't really a reason not to have him there at the minute at that price. So anyone under 600K that can go and do that 90 plus, which I I think that he can be. I think the thing about your Eagles there is that they just sucked so badly last year. And as a team, they're just upside in general. Obviously, he's got the discounts, but um, I think, yeah, he's, he's there for me at the moment. The question will be maybe with the next one we talk about as well is just going, can you fit those guys all in there as those mid-price range dudes. Yeah, and how can you fit in a 591k uh, Dom Shee when you've got Matty Rowell at 664k morning? It's a tough. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough to. It's a fine balance. Ra- well, Rowell must be your M1 then. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the one game he played last year, Dom Sheed, 88 percent of centre bounces. Um, so yeah, good signs. That's there. his role. Yeah, huge. Um, okay, our next listener request was uh, James Warpool. So, yes, another huge name this preseason, $463,000. Perhaps the alternative um, that we're looking for, for a Jai Newcomb, a guy I mentioned, Josh Ward and Jai Newcomb, failed to mention James Warpool at four hundred and sixty three k Stato. Yeah, he's an interesting one. The, the price is very attractive, of course, um, uh, unless I see – uh, something massive um, in the preseason. I won't seriously consider him, but noting this is uh, a player that's given us 90s average before, and at that price is a very good pick. Um, all news coming out at the moment. So when the the coach who people thought um, had an issue with Warple is mentioning that he's fit and firing and developing is a damn good sign. Uh, so I'd, it's a watch at the moment, but not with a great deal of interest, but certainly in draft, he'll be way down the board and interested there. Such a tough one. Just a preseason watch on all those Hawthorne players. And again, a Sam Mitchell watch as well as Warney has flagged. Uh, Luke Davies-Uniak at 824,000. I've talked about him plenty in the preseason already. Would have been one of my two players had I not already spoken so much about him. But I'll get Holmes' thoughts on LDU. Yeah, look, Doss, he, once again, he's a very interesting player. And I suppose I need to give this one to Warndog. The stat that you boys put up on your podcast for, was it two players for Kangaroos only averaging over 78 last year? Like that's that's a damning, damning stat. And once again, these players that you're picking in 90, like in the 90s price range, you really need them to pop. You nearly need, really need them to go 105 plus. And look, yeah, we've seen him do it in the back half of the year, but we've seen plenty of other players do it in the back half of the year and then um, start the season off slow or, or like they, you know, revert back to the norm um, as they have done before. So in terms of breakout potential, he's got everything there that we need to see. So I can't really begrudge anyone that's looking to pick him. 
Um, it's not really the way I like to play the game too much. I, I don't tend to really start these players, but tend to jump on quick if they look like they're going to be a big breakout contender. I think uh, Sam Walsh in 2021, I was exactly the same. Didn't start him, but then uh, saw that midfield role round one and jumped on him round two with the opportunity. So um, that's what I probably will look to do with LDU, use one of my correction trades if it just really looks like he is going to be one of those um, players that we really need to have this year. But um, at the moment, he's not someone I'm looking to start. Uh, Warnie, could those stats you threw out there, though, work in the other way in saying that, yes, they were the worst fantasy scoring team last year with Clarko coming in? Can we see maybe these numbers, you know, LDU managing a, a pretty solid average at 92 despite being in a crap team? Could that be maybe a positive reason to go towards a guy like him in that they can increase their fantasy scoring as a team? In a sense, yes, because – but it's that taking on the unknown, That's um, yeah. which is a beauty in fantasy that you can do that and Love pick that. It. But it, it's a risk. That's the thing. Um, and because you've got Jai Simpkin there as well, and I think those blokes will um, – might be, you know, yin and yang one week to the next. The other thing that we have failed to mention is the what influence does Ben Cunnington have on that midfield? Now, I'm not saying a 31-year-old Ben Cunnington is going to be back in there for, for 70, uh, 70% CBAs, but traditionally he has been a midfielder and nothing else. So, you know, once again, Warney mentions the unknown. We don't know how that is going to play out and it's going to be pretty risky to pick him round one without actually having seen it in a proper AFL game. So... That's why I'm leaning towards maybe jumping on him um, in rounds two, three, or four if he pops, but I'd really like to, to see it first. No worries. Despite not talking about him myself, still managed to get a few minutes in there for LDU. Uh, Adam <laughs> Chera, Stato, any interest this year after being a big fan last preseason? Um, didn't go there, but Adam Chera, could you go there this preseason? I was a big fan last year, and I think with the right role where he could play in and outside – uh, he has massive scoring potential. Uh, burnt a little bit last year, but there was a little bit of injury as well. I think his value, but I just, at that price, I actually want him to be uh, a keeper and I, I just don't see it. Um, mind you, I will watch, especially with Sam Walsh out, because he might have some ceiling games early. Yeah. The issue with that, I guess, is how long is Walsh out yeah, for? You know, he's back yeah. running this week and he's all that sort of stuff, which, which cools you a little yep. bit. Well, that's in Desmosis. He was back in a couple of weeks, wasn't yeah, he? And other players it. have been out for months. Yeah. No, my heart did sink a little bit for, for Paddy Dow um, when I saw oh. Walsh running those laps again. <laughs> <laughs> you see why we go <laughs> long, Move morning. on to, <laughs> to yeah. Baz yeah. Lenker at 935k. Does he come under the same bracket as these these Bonts and McCrays that we're looking at taking a step up? It can't be everyone, Warn Dog, but could Baz Lenker be the one that goes huge like he did early last year when he had ro room to just roam free? Well, yeah, he can, and that's what we did see last year. We saw some epic scores from him early on, and um, I think it – well, he was a, a pick for a lot of players. They they grabbed him when he went through and did that. So he started with a 154, missed the second week, but he went at like pre or up to round 10. So he played the nine games there up to round 10, um, going at – oh, hang on, that's not worked for me. I need to click that. 118, I think, yeah, 118 it was, yep. And so it was huge. Obviously, then he had his uh, head budding and a bit of a sniffy sniff and was in a little <laughs> bit of trouble. So um, – you can take a little bit out of that from what happened after that. But you've got those, well, let's call it the three guys there, McRae, Bont, and then Baslenka. 
Baz is the most expensive of them as well. So you're, you're probably ranking him at number three, but geez, he's shown that ceiling and that's the thing that could excite you with doing that. So I wouldn't go against anyone who um, wanted to pick him because priced at 104, I think he can be a 110 guy, but it's just, yeah, Bevo, where does he rank of those other two? Is there better value in picking McRae and Bont, albeit like not by much because it's not a huge price difference between them? But yeah, it's I like it. I think I'll just say I like it. Yeah, you got to pick your poison a bit, I think, with the dogs and, yeah, take your choice. Uh, Kyle, maybe a bit of a copy and paste for your LDU comments, but Jai Simpkin, any interest in him being the, the new skipper up at uh, up at North Melbourne? Yeah, mate, I've been, I've been keen on Jai Simpkin for a long time. I know I did the Deck of DT article on him last year and, once again, he's another one of those players that we've seen average big scores in the back half. I think it was a 105 for the back half of 2021 and, we see all these metrics and we think, yep, we'll pick him at the start of the year, his value, and then start of the year, back to his 95. So once again, you know, is he that guy? Is he the tag target? Is LDU the tag target? We don't really know. And as Warney just said, the unknowns, I think that's going to scare a lot of people off from starting a Jai Simpson because you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, next player, Zach Merritt uh, from the Dons. No, you're a Bombers man, Warney, so you're a bit too biased on this one. We might throw to Stato. Uh, 107 average. Can he go better this year under the, the tutelage of Brad Scott back in the system, Stato? I might go the next two players as, as one hit. So Merritt at okay. 949 and Parrish at 888. Um, my issue with Essendon this year is most of their midfielders, so we're talking adding Caldwell, uh, yeah, add in Dylan Shield as well. So that's four. Are all one eighty Setterfield? Yeah, no, that's what I'm getting to. Is <laughs> all those four are one eighty three <laughs> and shorter? So they need a different mix, and that's why they've been using Stringer for years. So Setterfield plays that role. So all of a sudden, you're talking five midfielders. So do they share the time? Uh, is there a mixture of different roles? Uh, I think Merritt is a quality pick. I think after last year, Parrish has some value, um, but we need to see firstly what the game plan's going to be and secondly what that midfield mix is going to be to get it right. There will be some AFL fantasy value coming out of the uh, Essendon midfield. We just don't know what it looks like yet. One thing I really like about Zach Merritt at the moment, and this is without seeing any preseason games, so we don't really know, but the the word out of Essendon is that they're stripping everything right back. They're really working on the sort of fundamentals and, and that controlled ball movement and getting all that right. And if that's the case, if that's what they're sort of working on, then yeah, Zach Merritt is that perfect midfielder to constantly be hitting up for that little 45 kick on the half back line to really set them up moving forward. So if that's the case... Um, and his CBAs remain pretty high and consistent, um, he could be a very good pick for us. So once again, it's a watch like a lot of these players are, but I could definitely see a world where, once again, he's as solid as a rock top eight midfielder. And yeah, he might not be that much value, but um, he's definitely someone to watch, Warnie. Well, David King's been um, doing a lot of track watching and sending some tweets out, but he's on uh, SEN today and I'll try to put on my David King voice for it. Looks like a lot more kicking and control and switching of the ball. It looked like they were a bit more patient with the ball in hand. I think they will play more of a territory game. So that was out of it today that he said. So that is goes with exactly what's just been said there and that 
suits Merritt super. Absolutely. You're spot on there if that's that's their game style. Um, the point – It was David King though. Yeah, so true. we do have to take a little <laughs> bit with a grain of salt. That's a fair call. Um, but the, the point with the 183 and shorter is Will Setterfield's 192. So let's not get lost. This was a targeted recruitment. All right. Stato still pushing that uh, – Go, here. Will. Yeah, surprised – Surprised that Sam Flanders somehow didn't manage his way onto the the uh, the midfield podcast. You just Noah don't see Anderson. it, do you, Doss? You just don't see it. Just like Huey uh, last Anderson. year, you just don't see it. All right, Stato, let's move on, mate. 870K <laughs> for Noah Anderson. Warney, any interest in a Gold Coast son? I've said don't pick a son, apart from Matt Rowell. Uh, what about Noah Anderson, <laughs> who actually does exhibit signs of having a great fantasy game, kind of in that Josh Kelly mould, hits all those stat lines? Yeah, I like it. It's just the sort of dude that just sits in the draft um, game for me at the moment. He's got that 98 average next to him. It might be a gradual build to a, a 107 average um, where he might peak, I don't know. But he did show a little bit of ceiling in some in some games, but um, not a massive one. That's the that's the biggest thing. There was one game where he had a 141, but um, I think that might have been that game where he kicked that winning goal too. Um, but the rest, like, you know, there's some in the 110s, in the teens, the one teens, but I can't really go in with any confidence to pick him at priced at 98, essentially. Mm. Um, at the start, it might be one that, you know, if he's looking good, you can get him at a price, and I don't think he's going to burn you too badly. If he did end up starting pretty well, he'd still be achievable to, to buy. Am I right in saying you're pretty keen on Noah Anderson this year, Holmesy, or is that is that inaccurate? Uh, not as a starting option, Doss, but... Exactly like Warney, I can see a world where he improves. How much, I'm not too sure. But I just, I'd really rate him. Like you mentioned, it's unfortunate that he plays for the Gold Coast Suns. I think he would be a quite a, a valuable player in almost any other team in the competition. And when all the attention's going towards Took Miller, he's able to just do whatever he wants. So he's just got the, the freedom to, to play on the inside, play on the outside. And I was big on him last year for that breakout from the 80s and he got to 97. So the question is just where can he get to? And, and just for that reason, I'm not going to start him. But um, like Warney said, bump him up your draft boards. And if he does if he does come out and he looks like he's you know going to fit right in in that system, then you can, you can get on him. All right, I'm going to go through three premium players here. And we've talked about a lot of value picks like our Bonds, Petrarca's being really good options to potentially, you know, have that plus 10 kind of upside that we're, you know, looking for for those starting picks to really get us into that premium territory and be nice value picks. Can these next three big dogs provide any value as well? Um, I want to talk each of you, one of these players, Jack Steele for you, Stato, at, you know, edging towards that million dollars. Could he still be a nice starting pick to be that, you know, week-to-week captaincy option? He's my M1 at the moment. Uh, I, I think there's probably about five to eight points upside, which is still below uh, his best from a couple of years ago. He just had a little patch last year where he was um, uh, obviously had the injury concern. Uh, I think he's got upside. I think he's value and also a captain choice. So Jack Steele under Ross the boss, who I think who will get the, the most out of, is in my team. Warney Callum Mills at 983k, a huge year for the Swan skipper coming off the disappointing grand final. Do you think he can maybe bounce back and lead the troops and maybe put up some huge fantasy scores again in this another year? 
Well, we saw some huge fantasy scores, and I think that's the exciting thing about Mills at his best is super, he's a captain option, all that sort of stuff. But uh, if he can be thrown around in a role that doesn't suit, well, that sucks. Like, he sat in the back line. He sat in the goal square at points of games, mm-hmm. and, like, that pretty much sucks. So, um, But if you're confident that he's not going to be doing that, that 109 that he's at is easily done and then surpassed, which he's, he's shown the capacity to do that. So might be a little bit of fixture analysis on where he's at. It might be a time that you could jump on him. But um, I think at some point you'd probably want him because I think he is a top eight. Um, but I'm not sure if that's a price that I'm willing to pay at the start. When there's other guys like these three in this group here that you might be able to get um, at the same sort of price. I want to throw it to you, Warney, because this part has actually stumped me. What possible reason could Callum Mills have had other than carrying an injury in the back half of the year for him to only have 20% CBAs in that grand final when they were getting absolutely pumped? Yeah, and that's it. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's, well, when watching it, you just didn't even look at them. That's the thing. What were they doing? How were the magnets being thrown around? I'd like to actually analyse that to see where that is because why wouldn't you have a bloke there that, is doing that job and has done that job so well that's one of the one of the first picked in the midfield when they are up and running. Yep. It's an interesting interesting Because that was call. a sixty eight point game too. Like that was <laughs> not that any Swans actually um, scored any well in that yeah. game at all, but it was just ugly. And and that's one of those ones that you could make as a little bit of a, a blip on the radar type thing. I was trying to look back just to see if he got them all in the first quarter and then moved out when they were getting pumped. But no, it was two centre bounces just from the get-go. They chose, you know, Rowbottom, Warner, Parker, and even Papley straight off the bat in the grand final. Yeah, good pick up. Old Holmesy always got his finger on the pulse, does Holmesy. Um, let's take you home though, mate, with yet another son, Took Miller. Is there some value starting the super expensive son? It's 972K, but a proven stud in the fantasy arena. Yeah, look, Doss, I I love Took Miller. I have no doubt that he will be a top eight midfielder, if not a top four midfielder, midfielder this year. The one thing I'm kind of to- toying with in terms of starting him uh, this year is that, so this is uh, these are his first four games. So they have Sydney um, round one. So who knows what Sydney going to do there. Then they have Essendon, so potential uh, Caldwell tag. Then they have Geelong. We we don't know what Geelong do, but Geelong are always sort of tough to score against. Then they have St Kilda. Is there a Win Hager tag coming? Um, And then there's Frio. So it's a pretty tough start for Took Miller. Um, So at this stage, I think I'm probably going to go against him and and make him one of my first upgrade targets and hope that he gets away to a slow start with a few um, tad games early. But um, I have no doubt that he has the potential to be higher than that 110 for the rest of the year that he's priced at. And if people play the game where they don't sort of worry about the tags and they just pick the best players, then um, I'm not going to talk anyone out of picking him because he's a genuine star and we've seen those preseason picks. It, it kind of seems like he's, you know, he's trying to he's trying to get Gold Coast to their first finals. He's he's there. He's one of their best players and I can see him really putting him on his back like he has been the last couple of years and, and really delivering. All right, that wraps up the primary listener request. We're going to shoot through and it has to be a genuine Lux or sucks answer, a one-word answer in this new segment. It is Lux or sucks. Will they win you the highlights? Or do they just suck? Are they more like Dorsey? Or just like Sarah? 
If you don't know what this segment is, we just go through each of these players. They're on kind of the brink of who we might consider super fantasy relevant. There are a couple of interesting names, though, due to the volume of requests we had um, from the listeners this week. But these picks, Warney, are the ones that are either going to win you the Hilux or do they just suck? Um, it is pretty harsh. Obviously, we're just it's just for this season. We know that some guys are maybe keeper league picks. Look, we don't really think they suck. This is just the segment, okay? It's Hilux or sucks. Let's start with Lockie Whitfield at 804K, Stato. Sucks. Chad Warner, 785K, Warney. Lux. Ooh. Ooh. All right, just quickly, quickly evaluate. Is this how this works, though? Like, yep. is this yep. how it works? He could win you a high Lux. He could. Yep. If he does what you think he could do. Yep. But- I'm not picking him. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it works. Uh, ben Keys, 862K, Holmesy. Ah, uh, oh, sucks. Tim Kelly, Stato, 744K. Sucks. That mid, uh, Eagles midfield sucks. James Rowbottom, 726K. Huge numbers to finish the season. Is Warney going to go back-to-back Lux here? See, I don't understand this. I'm going to say Lux because I would have said he could. Lux. Like, I would have said he Lux. He could be a guy, but no. Uh, yeah, again, I'm not picking him, but he could win you a high Lux. But Look, Holmes, he shakes his head, so I should say sucks. Usually sucks. this. Usually this uh, oh, Holmes is saying no to, to the Robum. Yeah, he's saying no. Okay. All right. Um, we will move on. Yeah, usually they're not this tough, usually, uh, uh Warn dog. They're usually a bit more simple on the suck side. Um, Windhager, 448K. He's also a forward, but we've had heaps of requests for Windhager. Holmesy. Nah, sucks. Max Holmes, 565K. Stato. Sucks. Ooh, that's a tough one. Sam Berry, 746K. Lots of those preseason photos of the pipes coming out about Sam Berry. Warn dog. Are we going to three sucks. Pete Lux? There you go. No, that one sucks for <laughs> <Yep>. me. <laughs> Carl Amon, 955K in the Hawthorne Colours, Holmesy. Sucks. James Aish, 698K. Sucks. I'll pick that one up. Uh, George Hewitt, 870K. Stato. Just don't see it. Say it. Say it. Lux. No, no. Oh, sucks. Sucks. Lockie Hunter in the Demons now. Warn dog, 732K. Seems a bit expensive. Is that a Lux or sucks? Sucks. Finn McGuinness, plenty of room up for grabs uh, in that midfield at GWS. I had this request. Oh, okay. 406K sucks. (laughs) Uh, Xavier O'Halloran, 360K. Same deal in the GWS midfield. That's pretty cheap, Stato. Could we get a Lux pick out of this though? I don't know. Lux. Whoa. Nah, come on, Stato. 360K. Um, there's space in the GWS midfield. If he gets a, a solid role and shows his scoring power, which he has got, Lux. Jared Berry, the Devils, 666. Warney? Sucks. Jack Bytel at 305K. May have thrown this one myself in there. Holmesy, Lux or sucks? Jack Bytel, new coach. Sucks. Oh, oh. unbelievable. Are you a fan there is a to- world, though. There is a there world. There is a oh, world. Yeah. Is there, Warner, you'd be across this. Is there a uh, VFL Hilux on offer this year for oh. VFL fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. But there is a world that he, does play. If he does play. 305 is value. 
Round Pat one. Dow, 377. Brad Crouch out. One injury. Lux. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll skip over that last name. That's right. Paddy um, Dow? <laughs> Paddy Dow. How did that get in there? <laughs> did a little copy paste there, uh, boys. But no, I'll, I'll take that one. That's the Lux because he will be in the squad uh. that is winning it. Um <laughs> <laughs> now that'll wrap up the episode we got to thank Warn Dog for coming on thanks so much for joining there's a question I want to ask you though to end up so we've been asking our listeners to enter their little reviews and five stars on, on the podcast on iTunes now it's to enter our listener league which in this case this year they're doing we're doing a system where each of us hosts obviously Louis not here but each four of us are going to be drafting listeners to represent us on the spot warning I, I, you know I just want to ask you who would you be representing if you were in this uh, listener league who do you reckon deserves that the warn dog to be representing who do you want to date mate Stato probably needs me because it's been a while since he's been uh, anywhere up there yep. to get that um, but I reckon actually Holmesy would be the best one because if you were actually making him happy to want you as part of his team, you've done all right, I reckon. That would be the most successful uh, thing you could get in fantasy. Get the grumpy man all happy, right. big tick in the box. <laughs> yeah, actually some concerning amount of entries for Stato coming through. I'm, I'm getting a bit worried about uh, the amount of love for the old man. All right, well, thanks again, Warney, for coming on. And that was the Midfielders Pod. We shall see you next week. Make Stato great again. <laughs> <laughs>